Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, and I'm so glad to be here with you again for this week's episode, which is all about what it means when you think about becoming an entrepreneur. Now, as you know, we like to look at life through our beautiful, aging, midlife eyes, reading glasses and all. And I don't know about you, but my reading glasses are getting a little more funky these days. (laughs) It's like an easy way to step things up a little bit and have fun. But when it comes to thinking about becoming an entrepreneur, it could have been something you've been thinking about for a few decades. Crazy, right? But it's a type of thing that so many amazing women in the middle ignore. So that's what we're going to take a look at today. Before we dive in, though, this episode is sponsored by the 50 Unplugged Mastermind. Have you heard about it yet? It really is the best way to help you focus on what you can do at this point in your life instead of what you like to think about, which is what you can't do. It's really all about becoming bold and brave in midlife, making sure you don't have regrets and finally putting yourself first so that you know what you want and exactly how to make it happen. And one of the best parts is that you get to do this work with an amazing small group of women who are just as committed as you are to getting excited about their lives. Sounds too good to resist, right? I know. So head right over to www.talktosusie.com and learn more. Grab your kickstart call. Let's talk about if it's a good fit for you. And the doors open again at the beginning of the month. So go ahead and book your call. It's no obligation. And I can't wait to see your name in my calendar. Okay, let's dive into today's topic, what it means when you think about being an entrepreneur. So you notice that you tend to think about being an entrepreneur, yet you aren't there yet. You look around your life and you don't see it. No entrepreneur there. (laughs) You like the idea though. So what does that mean? Does it mean that you want to be an entrepreneur no matter what? Does it mean you hate your job? Does it mean you miss seeing direct results from your efforts? Does it mean you want more challenge or that you want to be your own boss? Does it mean that the idea is wrapped up with your dreams somehow? And you know what? It could mean any or all or none of these things. But if you find yourself thinking about if you could actually be an entrepreneur or not, there could be something there worth investigating. So. Let's start with a question. Was being an entrepreneur something you thought about throughout your life? I think it's important to take a look at this. Maybe not that you decided it's how you're going to define your life or your work, but that it was something you were attracted to perhaps or dabbled in over the years. For me, I dabbled. (laughs) I didn't even think of it as being an entrepreneur actually, but it all started with calligraphy when I was 12. So when I was 12 and a half, I discovered decorative handwriting in the most unusual way. It was because of someone who was helping my family out just after my father died in 1976. 
I don't know what I saw him write, and I don't know why he wrote it, but he did, and my eyes went wide. I had never seen anything so cool. The timing was so bizarre for me to notice something beautiful that sparked my interest like this, but maybe not, as I'm sure I needed a break from the stress and the pain of grief. About a week later, I received a calligraphy pen in the mail. In fact, it was a set, and I just looked it up online to see if I could find it, because I remember it so well. It was the Speedball Calligraphy Fountain Pen Set with cartridges of ink. It had about five different pen nibs, or tips. And the thing about the tips is they're different widths and they hold different amounts of ink so that the writing, the strokes look really different. Two other important things. First, it had the ink cartridges, which meant no bottles of ink to dip in and way less mess. And two, it had a beginner's guidebook. That guidebook helped me so much during that horrible phase of grief during the few weeks after my father's suicide. It was just crazy that this was the thing that was so helpful to me. But as you can probably imagine, it was a crazy time. And I talked about this more in detail in episode 93. Uh, But anyway, getting back, the calligraphy gave me something to focus on and a gentle way to lose myself in my thoughts. And it never really occurred to me until right now, preparing for this podcast, how and why it was so helpful for me and so important to me. I don't think this guy had a clue what he was doing for me when he sent me this little calligraphy set. But it was, it was amazing. And it kicked off a hobby, a passion. I couldn't stop practicing these beautiful alphabets. Like really, I I really couldn't stop. (laughs) And I was addicted, I think. I was so motivated to practice that I would even take the time it took to hand line my practice parchment paper. I don't know why I didn't have the line paper, but I didn't. So before I could get started, I would have to spend time measuring and lining the paper with light pencil that could be erased so that I would have um, straight lines to write on. Quite a production for a 12-year-old kid, but like I said, I was addicted. Then I discovered the world of nibs and India ink, which came in so many different colors, but you had to use the kind of pen that you dip in the ink. And wow, messing with that ink is courting disaster because it stains like crazy and, you know, it's ink in a bottle. (laughs) So I don't have any memory of what happened next um, or where I got the supplies or anything like that. But I just loved practicing these alphabets and letting these gentle strokes of the pen soothe my soul. Isn't that poetic? (laughs) It never, like, honestly, I never really understood the importance of this. But a couple of years ago, I went home and I had to take all this stuff home that was in the attic. Like my mom's like, enough, you need to clean out the attic. And I found all of this paper, paper after paper after pa- piles of it with these beautiful um, uh, alphabets that I was practicing. It was crazy. Eventually, I got pretty good at it <laughs> and, and offers to make a bit of money started to come my way. Like I'm a kid, right? And um, first, it was a hand-lettered sign at a popular restaurant in Philadelphia. No clue how or why that happened. And then hand-addressed envelopes for bar and bar mitzvahs and weddings. That one seems kind of obvious. So I never realized um, until now that dipping my pen into the ink was really the first sign of me dipping my toe into entrepreneurship. Now, the years went by and the next accidental entrepreneurship adventure came with FEMO. Do you guys remember FEMO? It was clay. 
I remember it being new when we grew up. I discovered it in the late 80s, early 90s, but I again, I just checked Google <laughs> and I see that it came out in the late 70s. It was this modeling clay that could be hardened in the oven. And what was new for me was making jewelry out of it. So it was 1989 or so, and I had just graduated from grad school and moved into my totally sweet little junior one-bedroom apartment in the beaches area of Toronto, um, very close to my brand new professional job at the local health unit. So I was in my um, early, early to mid-20s, and I had just graduated and moved to the big city for my first job. I would make pins and earrings from the Fimo and bake them in a little toaster oven that I had picked up for 20 bucks while I was a grad student. (laughs) I don't know exactly what happened next, but before I knew it, I was getting custom orders to making matching, uh, to make matching jewelry for the specific outfits of some of my new colleagues at work. And of course, I had custom made jewelry for just about every outfit I wore. Uh, Work was a bit more formal back then, and I wore a lot of suits. Do you remember that in the 80s? (laughs) Which, of course, had a nice lapel pin um, on them at all times, because that was the one thing that was cool about a suit. It was easy to wear a pin. Now, I didn't take it very far, of course, but now I can see a bit of a pattern with what I was attracted to. Creativity, using my hands. So does any of this sound like you? Did you always find yourself making and selling something? Did you find yourself wondering if there's more out there for you? Time went by, life got busy, I got married, had a baby, and that's when the next entrepreneurial adventure was born, the baby time traveler. Now, this was something that a good friend and colleague of mine, Carolyn, and I hatched while we were on mat leave with our firstborns. It was basically a Canadian time capsule product in a really cool little plastic suitcase. And this was just before there was any easy way to accept money online. So it was a big rigmarole to get it going. But we did. We ended up doing a couple of big vendor event shows and we eventually got it into a few stores. But we quickly realized (laughs) that we were really interested in uh, really raising our families and, and we had babies at that time. And, you know, it was an excellent learning experience for us. But I think originally we planned for it to be uh, like we would just mail people their products that they ordered and go in the retail route was not something we were ready for. Man, did we learn a lot. <laughs> so the next entrepreneurial experience didn't happen for me for about 15 more years. So I was looking for a connection and doing a lot of reflection after my layoff and direct sales caught my eye for some reason on Facebook. The most I knew about direct sales was really Tupperware and Discovery Toys. Remember Discovery Toys when the kids were small? And I loved buying. I love buying new fun things. So whenever any of my friends had one of these parties, I went. I always went. It's always fun for me to learn about new cool stuff. So I saw this nail product on Facebook and I was absolutely fascinated by it. I've always taken pride in my nails. I've done some, I've done some interesting things with my nails and that led me to join that company and eventually do a vendor event where I saw another cool product. It was a jewelry line with lockets. And then that was it. Before I knew it, I'd signed up to these two direct sales companies. So I was newly laid off and now I was busy with direct sales and coach training. So that was kind of my transition 
into becoming a full-time coach. Now, unfortunately, I picked two companies that don't exist anymore, (laughs) but it got the ball rolling with being an entrepreneur and networking and also learning about marketing and blogging. This was the first time I developed and wrote a blog. Now, since then, I've tried a handful more of these direct sales companies, and I have to say that I really learned a lot. I enjoyed uh, really fun products, and I met lots of really nice people. And I think all of these experiences help prepare me for what I'm doing now, which is being a full-time entrepreneur to the core. And I've also grown to appreciate how amazing an opportunity it can be for women, regardless of education or startup funds. It's such an accessible opportunity for so many. And then there's one more thing I wanted to share. There's my little Etsy business called Wired Up Naturally. I have made beaded wire head coverings for Jewish women for about 12 years. Now I also have pendants uh, that are really great for everyone. And this is all about self-expression and wearing what you want that's both beautiful and functional. So I had a ton of fun making these kippas over the years. And it's also the thing that got me included in a super cool art exhibit at the Museum of Modern Art in Manhattan in 2017. Yes, MoMA. It's a crazy story. I've done podcasts about it and a blog, and I'll include those links in the show notes if you want to know how that crazy thing happened. You just never know what can happen in midlife, my friend. You just never know. Okay, so that's my entrepreneurial story and path. So what can you learn from it? So many midlife women tell me that they are confused and don't know what their passion is. Does this sound familiar to you? Or maybe that your kids just graduated and you have no clue what you want to do? Now, I believe so strongly that there are clues everywhere. The problem is you're not used to being your brain's detective. You are not used to being the queen of your brain domain. So you don't see what's going on up there. So many cobwebs, right? (laughs) So let's start with me. What do you see when you look at my story, especially what I dove into, how I lost myself in it and made some money doing? So really look at what happened with me. There's a definite pattern and clues everywhere. I was like you, though. I didn't see the pattern for years. But with my story, you can totally see something common in the types of things that I was attracted to. Creativity, self-expression, blogging, communicating. And you know what? Nothing has changed. That's what I teach my clients. I've even talked about it here in the podcast before too, that whatever you've loved as a kid and throughout your life is bound to continue to bring your joy now in midlife and beyond. I have a worksheet to help you with all of this. You can get it at susierosenstein.com forward slash passion project 50. So again, the link's in the show notes. It will help you finally get insight into what might be missing in your life and start to understand why it's so important to prioritize your life to include it. It all starts with your thoughts. So the question is, could what is missing from your life be about becoming an entrepreneur? Have you had this strange sense that you thought you would actually be an entrepreneur by now? With me, I still love creativity and look for ways to bring more of it into my life on the regular and also into my coaching practice. Self-expression and encouraging others to prioritize this more in their lives is a central theme to who I am and what lights me up. 
even with that nail business and direct sales, even with the lockets and charms to help tell your story. It's all there all the time. And you know what? It's there with coaching too. This is really what I'm talking about. Being an entrepreneur on one level or another can totally be the thing you've been looking for if you're feeling unfulfilled or like there's more out there for you for so many reasons too. So here's what it means if you've noticed yourself being attracted to entrepreneurship but haven't done anything about it yet. One, there's something you like about it that you're drawn to that's worth looking at more closely. Two, there might be something that's missing in the way you wanna feel at work. Three, your job could be great, but there's something else you want to do. And four, you want to challenge yourself and see what you're capable of. Okay, so I recommend that you really think about these questions and ask yourself more. What do you make being an entrepreneur mean? Ask yourself what you like about it. What do you make it mean that you think this way in the first place? And allow yourself to answer. Then dig into what might be missing about the way you want to feel at work, but don't. Is it? that you don't have the flexibility or that you don't like your boss? Is it that you aren't able to make the contribution that you wanna make? Remember, there's always a thought that creates the way you feel. Does your thought create fear? Does your thought create excitement? Really look at that. With me, I had a thought that I finally became aware of in my late 40s, and here it is. I always thought I'd be an entrepreneur by now. I didn't realize it all those years of dabbling, but when I got into my late 40s, I started to notice, you know what? I always thought I'd be an entrepreneur by now, as if it was gonna just happen, right? I was gonna be hit by lightning bolt, and all of a sudden I'd be an entrepreneur. I hadn't done anything about it, seriously. I'd been dabbling, but decades were flying by. I wasn't actively thinking about it. Like so many things in midlife, I was just in this chaotic blur for a long time and I wasn't really thinking about what I wanted. But I knew I was always attracted to being an entrepreneur in a more serious way than my little Etsy store or any of these other little things that I did. I really couldn't believe that I was in my public sector career for as long as I was. I mean, really, at 27 years, there was even a union. I was in a union. <laughs> And when I really caught what I was thinking, this is not how I envisioned myself. I thought of myself as an entrepreneur, but I was living with a big disconnect. Very interesting when you're really honest with yourself and see what you're thinking. Now, until I got laid off, that is. I got laid off at 50. One of the first things I did was open myself up to, the, uh, to an opportunity and direct sales was there immediately. It seemed like the perfect thing to play with while I was becoming a certified life coach. So, you know, something shifted in my brain. I got laid off, I saw an opportunity, and I pursued it. The drive to do something on my own was always there. So ask yourself, what about being an entrepreneur makes you lean into it and think about how nice it would be? What would be nice? What image comes to mind? What do you make being an entrepreneur mean? The other great thing about being an entrepreneur is that it can easily be a full-time or part-time thing. So as I'm sharing these stories and ideas, notice what comes up for you. What thoughts are you having right now? I know you're thinking about something. 
So here are some of the things I've noticed midlife women often worry about when considering being an entrepreneur. The first thing is internet life. Digital technology makes it so much easier to have your online business these days, but it can still seem a little scary. In fact, there are so many options with the internet that make being an entrepreneur easier now than ever before. Collecting money online opens up so many doors. When I first started years ago with that baby time traveler, you had to give the bank a $5,000 deposit to be paid by credit cards. Can you believe that? Now, there are so many payment options like PayPal, for example, it's just totally not an issue. Having to build a website from scratch can feel overwhelming, but there's good news there too. There are lots of ways to sell things without building a website on your own. Being able to use sites like Etsy and eBay, those kinds of things make it easy to sell without the headache and expense. You don't need to create your own website. Etsy is a great way to sell something that you make yourself. And have easy access to an international audience that way. It is really easy and it's super fun. But notice what you're afraid of. Another thing women think about is working alone. So they think, hmm, working alone at home is not what I'm used to and it sounds lonely. Now I've noticed that most of the entrepreneurs that I know are working from home. Does this sound amazing to you or horrible. (laughs) It's important to know because if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you're most likely going to be working at home, at least at the beginning, by yourself much of the time. So you have to really think about that. Okay. um, Being an entrepreneur sounds too hard and scary. That is something that so many women think. It's too hard. It's too scary. And you know what? It's not for everyone. That is for sure. You really have to embrace discomfort sounds fun, right? (laughs) Now, if you know any entrepreneurs, you'll probably also know that they're the type of people who have to get pretty good at feeling uncomfortable. And the reason is because you have to make decisions on your own. You have to work without the safety net of an IT department or editors or anyone else, usually until you get big enough and then you hire some help. So you also have to talk to a lot of people you don't know constantly, and you have to deal with sales. These all might be things you have no experience with or limited experience and aren't comfortable with. The other thing that's a big thing to get your head around is that you you have to deal with the results because you are the decision maker. Now, some of you might be craving that to finally be a decision maker and have results that are because of what you've done, but it's an adjustment for sure. Here's another thing, lack of support when you are on your own as an entrepreneur. That's something that people worry about. And I have to say, this is one of the most surprising parts of being an entrepreneur for me, community. There is a community aspect to it that can be amazingly fun and fulfilling. So some opportunities come with built-in support networks, others don't, but you can find them, you can join them, and you can create them. Super fun. I've never had more support or more community than I've had since being an entrepreneur, actually. And it's weird because I rarely leave my house for work, but I don't feel alone at all. The other thing is it is super inspiring to meet and work with so many people from all walks of life, but who are on the same page. And you know, when you are working at a traditional job, unless you have a lot of travel, you usually don't meet this many new people. I have never had this before in my life, in my career, and I gotta say, I love it. Okay, this next one might surprise you, but people worry about personally challenging themselves uh, at this age. Like it might be too much. 
too much challenge. Ladies, I can't say enough about this one because so many amazing women in the middle have talked to me about what I call career malaise, being bored, feeling stagnant, being at your job too long. It's not always that you hate your job either, not at all. You're just not growing and it's not fulfilling. It's not enough for many of us. So the great thing about a side hustle or what some people call a jobby, (laughs) a jobby is like a part-time hobby job. So some people want to dive into a real uh, entrepreneurship that's not part-time and some people want a serious part-time and other people want to dabble, which can be called, like I said, a jobby. But the thing is that you can experiment with all of this stuff that I'm talking about while enjoying the safety and security of your regular job. It's an absolutely easy way to start. So if you grow this business or want more, you can work on a plan to transition. But there are tons of ways to start small if you want. I really do believe that it's a, it's amazing to challenge yourself in midlife when you least expect yourself doing something like this. <laughs> I've heard that time and time again from my clients and I have also experienced myself. So this is what I've seen with coaching too. When I trained to be a coach, I was recently laid off and I could see pretty quickly that I could work at doing it full-time or part-time as an entrepreneur, or I could also work for someone else. So many options. And you know what? It's like that with all kinds of things. But for so many of us, the last time we thought about creating ourselves professionally, there weren't as many creative options like this. The internet brings so much value and possibility. And this just wasn't available when we were coming up through the ranks. So as you can see, there's lots to gain from being an entrepreneur, even part-time. And what I really want you to think about are these three things. One, if you are feeling like you're in a midlife funk about work, the way you're making a professional contribution, then it's time to dig deep, my friend. What is missing? What do you think you might be looking for? It might be less commute time, or it might be more flexibility, or maybe even a way to help people and connect more. Any of it, I don't know, it's personal, but you owe it to yourself to start to notice what it is that you want. Okay, number two, how do you want to feel about work in midlife? It may not be the same thing it was 20 years ago. Again, notice what you want to feel. What is the feeling that you're looking for? And then really think about if you have that now. And three, when you think about yourself and what you're often attracted to doing, how common is it for some aspect of entrepreneurship to come up? Just be aware of it. Look for patterns and remind yourself to separate out the what from the how. Decide first if it's something you're interested in. Then start to think about how you want to make it happen. Mixing up these two phases will just keep you overwhelmed and confused. So give yourself time to first focus on what you want. And then when you figure that out, then you ask yourself how you're going to make that happen. Okay, so is entrepreneurship for you? I cannot answer that. But if you find yourself thinking about it more and more, or if you know something's missing or sense you might regret if you don't try something new, if you're wanting to challenge yourself, then you know what? It just might be. Stranger things have happened. That is for sure. 
That's it for this episode, my friend. My focus as a midlife coach is to help you get excited about your life again. That means you have to get better at thinking on purpose, being that queen of your brain domain. Now, I'm excited to hear about what you do with all of this helpful info, so make sure to let me know. Check out the show notes with more information and links at www.susierosenstein.com. And remember to check out my free Facebook group, The Women in the Middle Community at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash women in the middle community. It is for women just like you. One more thing, make sure to grab my free download, Nine Secrets to Get Unstuck in Your 50s. Just go to susierosenstein.com forward slash nine secrets. So if you like what you've heard on today's episode, just head over to the Women in the Middle podcast on iTunes and leave me a review, which of course is greatly appreciated. Seriously, the more stars, the better. And if you feel like actually writing a review, that would be awesome. It really does help other amazing women in the middle find this podcast and this community. So let's do this, ladies, one bold and brave thought at a time. Thanks so much for listening and talk to you next week. 